You're listening to On Point Discussion, exclusively on the Lounge Room Network. Former Vice President Joe Biden will win Pennsylvania and Nevada, putting him over the 270 electoral votes he needs to become the 46th President of the United States. Here are your hosts, Juan Gutierrez, Julius Porter, Wyatt Cornelius, and Rhino Alberts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a Sunday special event of the On Point Discussion podcast. I, of course, am Rhino. You can find me on Twitter at Sports Talk Rhino. I am joined by my esteemed colleague, Juan. You can find him on Twitter as well, at BearsFanatico94. And, of course, the podcast Twitter page, On Point Discussion, is found at Talks On Point on Twitter. Uh, We are bringing to you today a special edition of the On Point Discussion podcast. We are waiting on a special guest, Rob Hart from WBBM in Chicago. Uh, while he is he is on his way, we're just going to kick things off. Uh, we'll give a shout out to our sponsor, One Call Technology. They are a family-owned business with over 100 years of experience in virtually every aspect of business phone systems installation and service, managed telecom service provider, telecom carrier management, and high-speed internet. Head on over to One Call's website at www.onecalltech.com or give them a call at 888-585-585. 8850 and tell them that the lounge room network sent you one it's a little later than we usually record it's also sunday so my mental clock is a little bit off but i think i'm going to manage this evening how are you doing bud you know i'm doing well i'm tired i'm probably gonna probably gonna hit the hay right after we are done here um it is almost 8 30 here in milwaukee and yeah it's been a long day doing a lot of chores around the house um Watched my uh, beloved White Sox sweep the uh, Rangers today on TV. Also saw the uh, Brewers took a nice there W in, uh, down in Chicago, so I was happy about that. And, yeah, we're doing well. How, how are you doing? How are, how, how are things going for you? For you? I, have, I have had better Sundays. Uh, my <laughs> girlfriend, unfortunately, decided to destroy a deer with my full-size pickup truck at a speed of approximately 58 miles an hour. Um, not very significant damage to my truck. Um, very morbid damage to the deer. I'll just put it like that. Uh, it was not very fun pulling its entrails out of the radiator of my truck. You know, that's that's one of the risks about living in Wisconsin, uh, driving in rural Wisconsin, you know, especially you know, in the fall and, you know, even right now in the spring, you know, there's, there's deer, they're everywhere and it sucks to hit one. I have never hit one. Like I was talking, telling you in the, you know, before we came on knock on wood, but I don't, that's something I definitely do not want to uh, experience anytime soon. The closest call I ever had in my life. uh, I was in Northern Wisconsin. This was about five, six years ago. And, um, I, at the time I had just a little tiny hatchback and I'm, I'm one of the, one of the backcountry roads and it, it's very, it's, it's heavily wooded in, in places in Northern Wisconsin. So I was driving through uh, a particularly wooded area, very heavily wooded area. And as I'm coming around a curve, a massive buck is just standing right in the middle of the road. He's, he's not running. He's not doing anything. I'm going almost 60 miles an hour and I have to slam on my brakes and I was smart enough, actually, to grab the emergency brake, and I, I hit that too. So I'm just I'm sliding to a stop. I stopped Jesus. probably yeah. about five feet in front of this deer, and he just stared at me. 
I don't know if this deer was, you know, had something wrong with it or if he just didn't care that a car half its size was coming at him. But this is probably one of the largest bucks I've ever seen in my entire life. Had I hit that deer, it would have caused more damage to my car than it would have the deer. And actually, sorry, I don't mean to cut you, but Rob has entered the uh, the waiting room. So we're going to let Rob Harden from WBBM in Chicago. Fantastic. All right. We are joined now by Rob Hart uh, with WBBM out of Chicago, 780 AM and 105.9 FM. You can find him on Twitter at Rob Hart, WBBM. Rob, thank you very much for joining us on the Sunday evening. I would like to extend our appreciation for joining the podcast. How are you doing, sir? Uh, doing very well. Thank you for having me today. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Rob, um, Juan and I are both Wisconsin natives. We understand that you actually started your career, your education in Wisconsin. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I uh, went to Marquette University uh, and you know, I, I grew up in Chicago and you know, uh, native of the southwest side of the city. And uh, for reasons that are known only to the uh, uh, faculty and staff of Marquette, I managed to get a great deal of uh, scholarship money and uh, that managed to uh, cinch the decision to go to Marquette uh, fairly easily. Um, like a lot of uh, prospective, you know, wannabe broadcasters, I looked at uh, Syracuse. I looked at um, uh, the University of Southern California, which uh, was an interesting experience because uh, I was looking at colleges in the spring of 1998. And we went out to, we actually flew out to Los Angeles to go look at the USC campus. And all the way out there, my parents were telling me, like, you understand, you know, University of Southern California in a rather, you know, working class neighborhood. Uh, it's not too far away from South Central. They actually had to lock it down during the riots a couple of years before. And then it's like, it's, this, it's not Hollywood. It's not glamorous. And then we get there. And <laughs> we get there and we find out that the Academy Awards that weekend are being held at the Shrine Auditorium right across the street from the USC campus. So uh, we tour the uh, student newspaper and the student radio station and everybody had credentials to cover the Oscars. So you go from, no, this is not, you know, Hollywood glitz and glamour to actually this is a uh, Hollywood's most glamorous night. But then uh, Marquette showed up with the uh, uh, the rather considerable amount of scholarship money. And uh, that began a relationship uh, with the university that uh, has extended through my brother and sister. And it was the beginning of my broadcasting career at WTMJ. I, I managed to start there because of a relationship between the radio station's executive producer and one of the uh, broadcasting professors at the time. That's that is a, a phenomenal story about USC and the Oscars, by the way. I'm sure your parents it's, it's probably really out there fun. were like, what is going on? We we were touring the campus and this is just and, and there's this phenomenon in L.A. of where you can pay someone to stand in line for you. Uh, so <laughs> if you want to be one of the people uh, cheering for the stars as they enter the auditorium, uh, you could pay someone five hundred or $600 to basically camp out in front of the auditorium for you for that entire weekend. Then you show up and you have your place and you can wave at people. 
And it was an interesting perspective on the show because you would have, they would tell you like where the limousines would all line up and you're just imagining, you know, these, these actors and actresses, directors, uh, titans of, of the entertainment industry, uh, people who you think would exist on some other social or financial plane, but like everybody else, they are lined up on the street next to the auditorium. And it's like, there's, you know, regular businesses you would see on the street. So I'm just, I was just imagining like, you know, Tom Hanks and his limousine waiting past There's a, a donut place called Spud Nuts Donuts that always jumped out at me. And that was that was on along the limo staging route to the Oscars in 1998. <laughs> that's that's absolutely that is, that's, that's awesome. I was going to say, uh, Rob, I wanted to ask you. So, you know, like like Rhino said, you know, we were both up here in, in Wisconsin, but more specifically um, about your time here in Milwaukee. What what do you miss most about about Milwaukee and and kind of what it has to offer? I tell everybody because I'm still in active in Marquette's. Uh, mentorship program for you know people who want to go into the communications program and and most of them uh they are from the chicago area and they to a person their dream is to you know go back to chicago and become uh, a sports anchor on tv or a host at the score or pursue some avenue of sports broadcasting and i tell them you are in the best place to do that in Milwaukee, uh, not only because they there's now this uh, you know glut of sport. I, I don't want to call it glut, but there are a lot of sports radio stations um, in the market that were not there when I was working at WTMJ, mm-hmm. and because they have this need for people to get audio and go to games and and, and cover things, you know, you have you, the Bucks are right there, the mm-hmm. Brewers are right there. Um, the pack just because the Packers are a national team or a nationally known team, there will always be, you know, the eyes of the entire, uh, you know, American football fan base will always be on green Bay because the Packers will always be relevant. So mm-hmm. I think that's a great thing about Milwaukee from a wanting to be a sports broadcaster standpoint. Uh, my brother still lives in uh, Bayview with his wife. Uh, my mother-in-law and father-in-law live in, uh, Menominee Falls. They are in a, a senior housing development up there. My, uh, brother-in-law owns an optometry shop in Wauwatosa. Uh, my other brother-in-law is a, a lobbyist for Briggs and Stratton. So I go up to Wisconsin a lot still, mm-hmm. uh, uh, 16 years after I moved away and moved to Chicago. And I, you know, there are so many great things about about Milwaukee and Wisconsin. It is like a a major world class city. I think a lot of people have uh, have have come to discover it as a knowledge hub, a technical hub, um, a, a city that has really kind of rebuilt itself uh, from where it was in the '80s, as far as being like this industrial powerhouse and. You know, once industry moved out, they found ways to bring other businesses back in. But the way it can sell itself to the rest of the country is that it still has that very unique Wisconsin, unique uh, Milwaukee cultural flavor that no matter, you know, whether you worked with your hands for Alice Chalmers 40 years ago or you work for GE Healthcare, uh, you, 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 
you fall in love with 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 Milwaukee and its culture and its festivals and its food and everything it has to offer. Yeah, you've actually you, about half of the places that you named. I've actually done work at um, my my job outside of podcasting. I'm a, I'm a steam fitter, so you know GE, Briggs and Stratton, mm-hmm. a lot of these places I've seen. And the one thing that I I love the most about uh, Milwaukee it's it's the smallest big city in America. You know, it is a major metropolitan area, but it still has that small town feel to it when you're there. You know, you mentioned it, the festivals, the 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 brewery traditions that are in, in Milwaukee. I mean, it, it's it's got that small town feel, but it is a major, major, major metropolitan area. I, I was, the thing I was, always liked about the, the festival kind of traditions in Milwaukee was that you could set your calendar. You kind of knew where you were in the summer based on when the festivals when, when the festivals hit because you always knew okay it's it's late june uh you know summer fest is starting and then yep. you went through festa and and german fest was always like the tip off that labor day was right around the corner and summer was coming to an end yeah and and all of those festivals are, are number one to me i mean I, I love every every single one of them i wanted to ask you um, you know, when you were getting into this uh, with with Marquette, did you initially want to be in sports broadcasting? What was your what was your motivation behind wanting to get into broadcast journalism? Well, I originally went to Marquette uh, with the intention of becoming a TV news anchor, and I we had a, a, a we still there's still a campus television station, there's still a, a studio on the it, in Johnson Hall. Um, and they would do a TV newscast Monday through Thursday night. Uh, Monday through Wednesday, there were two 15-minute newscasts, so two different groups of, of campus news anchors could do a show and not feel like they're being left out. But then the big flagship program was the 30-minute show that ran on Thursday night. And I enjoyed it. I liked it. And then my only link to Chicago at the time was the 50,000 watt AM radio stations out of the city. So this Mm -hmm. is 1998. You had, uh, you know, the score was on 1160 at the time. So that didn't necessarily make its way into Milwaukee. MVP was on AM 1000, uh, for news, you had, you know, BBM 780 and then 670, the late great WMAQ, and uh, WLS, which was 890, and they had this uh, afternoon show with Ro Khan and Gary Meyer. And I thought, I started listening to it because it reminded me of home, but they had such good chemistry and it was such a good combination. And I became like this fanatical fan of the show. <laughs> and I thought, you know, maybe there's something to uh, radio as a profession and a thing that I could do. So while I still did the, uh, the, the TV news, uh, the, the campus TV news program, I signed up for a couple of shifts on the radio station, uh, attempted to do a Roe and Gary type show uh, on the campus radio station and thought, you know, this, this could add, there, there could be something to this. So fast forward a year, it's uh December of 1999 and the broadcasting advisor says uh how do you feel about you know getting a job up here and I said you know I had to think about it because this would require like getting an apartment and Mm -hmm. you know moving away from home um 
but once I was able to make all of those things work, uh, I accepted this job at TMJ radio as a, uh, weekend newscaster slash board operator slash, uh, sports talk show producer. So you would work, uh, Saturday nights, my job was six to midnight. You'd get there at six and then you would answer phones for the sports talk show uh, up until Brewers pregame. And on on evening, Saturday nights, it was usually Brewers pregame would hit at 630. And then you would run the, you'd play all the commercials during the game. And then they'd have like a 10 minute wrap up at the end of the game. And then you would do taped programming already in progress. And then you would do the newscasts inside those taped shows. And it was literally on tape. You would have to string up uh, a reel-to-reel machine. And, you know, you would just say, you know, you've been listening to the Brewers on WTMJ. Now the best of consumer advocate Clark Howard already in progress. And then you'd run that until uh, midnight. And you'd think you then you'd go back to I'd go back to Marquette. You know the campus parties were still in full swing. <laughs> you walk into these things like you know you would just walk down the moon. Like I was on the radio. How about that? And you think like all, <laughs> all of Milwaukee was listening to uh, listening to you. It's like if if it was a hundred people, maybe two hundred people uh, listening to uh, you know. Uh, learn how not to get ripped off when buying a car Uh, (laughs) (laughs) after a brewers game it would have been pretty amazing but it was it was a a, it was a great way to get in it was a great way to get actual broadcasting work under your belt and it's it was i would never trade that experience for the world because it it got me on my way and uh, from there it was you know every time another opening had presented itself. I kind of worked my way up, you know, through the ranks of the newsroom. And then by the time I left, I was the, on their morning show, we had a, they had a morning news program. You would write the newscasts and then uh, serve as a studio reporter and fill in anchor. And it was a tremendous amount of experience. And I would not be here if not for that. Mm-hmm. Juan, did you have any other follow-up questions? Uh, the, well, I, I actually wanted to ask, or just wanted to make a comment first that I, uh, I you know, here in Milwaukee, I still listen to 780. Um, <laughs> this is kind of my my little, my small fan moments uh, segment, but <laughs> I, I really enjoy listening to your segments on, on 780, you know, when I'm driving to work or when I'm driving home from work. Well, th- um, thank you so much. I mean, it's it's really, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's funny how, you know, you, you, you do something for a while and you run into people who are in the same position as I was at the very beginning where mm-hmm. you're just, you listen to people on the radio and you're like, man, they're, you know, I, I really enjoy what they do. And then flash forward 15 or 20 years. And then, you know, you're all working together. Or you're going to, uh, you know, their family parties and stuff. And so, I, I'm, I'm glad you really appreciate the work that I do. I'm, 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 I, it's, it really means a lot to me. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I, I listen in and I, you know, I listen to the, the, the segments that you have on the, on the news station and 
um, yeah, definitely, you know, respect the work that you've done, uh, you know, throughout the years, of course, on, on the, on the radio waves. Uh, well, the other uh, from this, uh, this glamorous, uh, basement facility, I'm down here because it has the best acoustics in the house. There's no uh, echo. Um, I've spent the last 13 months like putting up as much foam padding as possible. So yeah, all all the all the reporting segments uh, come out of here. Uh, This very this very glamorous facility. Well, I, I sincerely appreciate for you for uh, sharing that secret with us <laughs> about where where the, the art happens. But <laughs> uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you, Rob, um, so obviously, you know, throughout the past few years, the, uh, you know, the media in this country, right, has taken a, uh, you know, a beating from, you know, certain political uh, figures in this country, right? And I just wanted to ask you, I guess, you know, kind of what, like as a as a journalist, right? As a reporter, how do you how do you navigate around all that? You know, all of this talk on uh, you know the quote unquote fake news and um, you know all these attacks on on the press and whatnot. How how do you how are you able to continue to do your you know day to day reporting and 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 journalism, right? In in spite of of everything that's kind of you know that's been said. Uh, the rhetoric, you know, throughout the past few years? Well, I mean, it's, I'm a firm believer that, you know, professionalism always wins the day. And that if people want to criticize you, they need to find something for which they can criticize you for. And if you do a credible job, And if uh, you are very professional and very uh, deliberate and, you know, make sure you have a source for everything that you say and that you have facts to back you up, uh, then you've done your job and and you can address any criticism uh, on that basis. However, I'm also a, 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 a fan of history and the rhetoric that we've heard regarding the role of the news media, especially since the 2016 election, is not necessarily new. Um, if you, you know, fake news was popularized by the previous president, but uh, if you go back to uh, 1969 and 1970, uh, Spiro Agnew, who was the vice president of the United States under Richard Nixon, uh, once referred to the uh, news media as the nattering nabobs of negativism so this has always been around in some form or another uh where there is some group who believes that uh the news media whether it's you know back then was you know tv networks radio newspapers magazines uh and then today you know this this much wider world uh that that they're they're putting the thumb on the scale but there's also you know there's there was another you know the, the 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 easiest and most accessible and the you know the, the the media criticism that like people can glom onto immediately is the kind from the right but there's also plenty from the left that suggests that you know reporters are merely uh, carrying out the agendas of uh, the owner of that particular outfit um, you know for for many years when GE owned NBC. Uh, there was belief that, uh, you know, NBC News was uh, carrying water for, you know, defense contractors and, uh, 
uh, government agencies that would uh, shower federal contracts on the network. So that criticism has always been out there. And none of it is new. It's, as I said before, <laughs> you know, a lot, it, it's been around for decades, uh, even longer than 50 years ago. So I just believe that your, your best insulation against that type of criticism is just to do a professional job. And if you're a professional, then if people start to criticize you, your supervisor will point to your professionalism and say, look, this is, this is solid work. We stand by it. You may disagree with it, but uh, the methodology that we have used to arrive here is, is solid and professional and, uh, and, and ethical and proper. Um, you know, I, I grew up in an in a era of, of listening to guys like Tom Brokaw and, and Dan Rather. Uh, guys were, you know, if you were listening to what they were saying, you, you believed it. it was, it was true. It was respectful. It was, it was something that you uh, should take seriously. And it's, it's like now we're in an era where you have people like Rachel Maddow or Tucker Carlson, where, you know, they're bordering almost on completely biased to one particular side of the political spectrum. Do you think over the years, or have you seen at least in your professional opinion, a, a change in the integrity in which reporting is actually happening? Well, I think you have, you still have the the flagship network news programs: NBC Nightly News, World News Tonight, and ABC. Uh, the CBS Evening News, I think, still operate as fact based professional newscasts. There is a team of correspondents around the world. There are producers, there are writers, there are editors, there are researchers uh, that want to make sure that there is a thirty minute factually solid broadcast that lets you know what is going on in the world today. Um, the cable news has op operates almost on a different track. It has evolved differently. Um, you know, CNN came on in June of 1980 and it was like an all news format initially. Um, if, if you want to check this out, uh, someone um, recorded an hour of CNN from the day the, uh, the Challenger exploded. And it was the hour leading up to the launch. And it's basically, it's, it's a, a straight ahead newscast. You know, here's, here's what's happening in Washington. We're monitoring the, the launch of the space shuttle. Uh, they had a sports segment they, and they had weather and they just kind of repeated that, that wheel as the day went on. Um, and in the early going, CNN only had one opinion news show. It was Crossfire, which was uh, initially hosted by uh, Pat Buchanan on the right. And, oh, what was the liberal's name? Uh, his name escapes me, but they were drive-time radio hosts in Washington, and uh, they were elevated to this show on CNN. And that was that was it as far as opinion programming was concerned. There were a couple of political roundtable shows, but that was the extent of it. And then uh, Fox came on the scene in 1996, and they took their cues from talk radio uh, in in terms of opinion based programming in prime time. And in like the decade after Fox came on the scene. Uh, CNN and MSNBC tried to adjust to the fact that, you know, Fox had kind of set the set the standard as far as opinion based cable news programming 
is concerned, um, around the time of Barack Obama's uh, you know run through the Democratic primary in 2008, uh, MSNBC kind of coalesced around kind of a a liberal-ish identity, uh, first forged by Keith Olbermann and then uh, later by Rachel Maddow. Uh, and and CNN, you know, always tried to stay down the middle uh, with various kind of like it, it was opinion programming at night that didn't really please anybody, but didn't didn't have a natural constituency. Um, so. Cable has just kind of operated, evolved in a different plane. Uh, the primetime opinion shows are how they establish their brands. And yes, there is a there is a conservative America cable news channel that can uh, feed your worldview. There is a left of center cable news channel that can feed your worldview. But there's also, you know, if, if you still want it straight down the middle, uh, news program you know those those old school network newscasts 530 still fit the bill quite nicely do you think with these um you know specific cable news channels that are that are you know reporting one specific side whether it be far right leaning or left center right center do you think that fuels political divide more in this country yeah because people do choose their own reality and uh you know, politics has gone from a thing that for for the average American politics has gone from a thing that happens every four years or maybe two years and really has become a lifestyle brand for a lot of people. Uh, you, you know, if, if you are, it, 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 it's your political identity and then it becomes your personal identity. And then you know, outside of the, you know, the reinforcement you get from, you know, whichever cable news channel, you know, fits your worldview, uh, then you multiply that times, you know, 10 or 10 or 15 or 20, because uh, you choose all of your, your social media friends and your social media uh, circles kind of based on your political identity. And it's always like this never ending uh, feedback loop. And yeah, you do, you, then it, it, it results in, people losing friends or getting different friends or all of a sudden uh, taking on stances about other issues that they had never thought of before. So that's, that is a contributing factor. Yes. And now that you have more sources online or, or entities online that claim to be sources uh, you can, you're, you're more pushed into your tribe than you might've ever been before. Yeah, no, definitely. And I know, Rob, I know you have to start, uh, you know, uh, hopping out of here in a few minutes, but uh, just really quickly wanted to ask you on a side on a side note, I know you're a White Sox fan as well. Yes. If I'm not yes. mistaken. <laughs> I see you looking at Giolito in the background. Yes. Yep. I, I've got my Giolito uh, picture back here. I know Rhino's a Cubs fan. So he, he did that on purpose, didn't you, Juan? <laughs> well, this, this is all about balance. This is all about getting out of your, your feedback loop. But right here in the studio, we have uh, Hawk and DJ Bobblehead. <laughs> and uh, we have uh, Mark Burley. I did, I did like Mark Burley a lot. He was a yes. great pitcher. <laughs> and a few other uh, bobbleheads uh, from, from ballpark giveaways uh, long ago. There's a Jose Abreu and a, a Greg Luzinski uh, off camera as well, too. Absolutely beautiful. 
<laughs> do you see a white? Do you see a, a World Series run for the White Sox in in the next few years? I, you know what? It's I'm feeling a lot better about the team now than I did when uh, Eloy got hurt a couple of weeks ago. When he went hmm. down in spring training, I thought, oh man, this is this. You don't want a debilitating injury, but this could be it. And then the uh, emergence of uh, your mean Mercedes as uh, a member of the all world team. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, Adam Eaton kind of yes. uh, uh, running the calendar back to 2014. Uh, that's been a, a, a pleasant thing to see. The uh, starting pitching has been uh, excellent so far. Uh, the bullpen got over a couple of early hiccups. So I was just mm-hmm. looking at the standings. And one of the neat things that MLB has done is they had the, they also include run differential now. And I think uh, as of this evening, the White Sox have the best run differential in the American League. They are one mm-hmm. ahead of Boston and I think are third in baseball overall. Mm-hmm. So uh, this it's it's been a, a you, you got past the like first week and a half that was kind of uneven. But uh, they're they're starting to click if they had not clicked already. Things are definitely uh, looking brighter <laughs> down yeah, at 35th and Shields. <laughs> sweep the Rangers, and even even last night when uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know you blow the save and then you come back to win in the ninth yeah. inning, you you avoid the ghost runner on second in the tenth. Mm-hmm. Yes, Nick Madrigal last night coming in uh, to save the save the day for the White Sox. <laughs> Walk off. Yes, absolutely. Well, Rob. Thank you so much again for for joining us tonight, and I, you know, sincerely, sincerely appreciate, uh, you know, you responding to me and getting back to me about coming on, and um, I speak for Rhino as well and our entire emerging network here. Uh, thank you, thank you very thank much. Thank you very Rob. much, Rob. Thank yeah. you so much, and uh, best of luck to you. And uh, I, I really hope uh, uh, this this turns into something that's that's a lot of fun for the both of you because uh, it's. This is it, it. It's a neat time to be doing this. I mean, back, you know, I was talking about when this when I was starting in the you know the the late nineties. It was it was radio, it was TV, and it was print. And there were a couple of people who went into something called new media, and you're know, trying to find something and and making it work online. And now everybody has an outlet. Now everybody can do you know if if if, if as long as you as long as you consider it a labor of love and you know, just keep kind of churning out content and you like churning out content, uh, you know, you can turn yourself into a media outlet. You don't need to wait for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal point. Phenomenal point. Um, once again, thank you very much for coming on the, the network and the podcast today and uh, best of luck in these times of, of, uh, media frenzy with everything that's going on in the world right now well thank, thank you very much and once again a great thing about being in the 21st century is uh, that you can you can turn turn this into a broadcasting facility not do not too long ago well thank you again robin you know i i wish you all the best and i hope you have a good you know rest of your night all right thanks a lot and uh, anytime anytime I'm, I'm, i'll be happy to come back Thank you, sir. We appreciate awesome. that. Thank we look you. forward to it. All right. Thank Thanks you. a lot. Have a great yep. evening. Yep. yep. You too. <laughs> 
That was Rob Hart from WBBM out of Chicago, 780 AM Talk Radio. Uh, once again, you can find him on Twitter at Rob Hart WBBM. Uh, make sure you add mm-hmm. those letters into his his Twitter tag as well. Um, great dialogue with Rob. Uh, he makes a yes. lot of great points. Um, mm-hmm. You know, especially with the the cable news networks. I, I you know I I really liked his answer to the the particular question I had in terms of do you think that the cable news networks with their uh, specific reporting nature are leading to more political divide? And I I, I wholeheartedly believe that myself. Um, and that's that's on whatever side of the political spectrum you lean, whether it's left or right. I think when you when you are are set in your in your certain ways, and then you start watching something that is broadcast to you as well in those certain ways, it really eliminates the opportunity for you to see the other side of the political spectrum. Uh, when you hear nothing but negative rhetoric, negative dialogue about the other side, it really turns people into a, a closed-minded person. You know, I, I, for one, I do have a certain way that I lean politically. However, one thing that I do pride myself on is I am always willing to listen uh, mm-hmm. to the other side of the conversation. I'm always willing to listen to the other points that are being made. And that's something that you really do not see with, with cable news stations, your CNNs, your MSNBCs, your Fox News. You really don't get that opportunity to have that open dialogue on the other side of what they're reporting on. No, I, I definitely agree. And, you know, w- one of the things with the way that, you know, people operate today is that a lot of individuals, unfortunately, are very, very dense and closed minded, you know. And one of the things that I've always advocated for is, you know, making sure that you're getting both narratives on a story, because if you're not going out and doing your own independent research on stuff, you're more than likely not going to be getting, you're not going to be getting the the actual real information yep. on whatever story you're researching, you know, you're, you're looking at in the first place. And so, you know, and, and I, Rob was talking about this, you know, back, back in the day when, when CNN first started, right. It was a lot easier to just sit mm-hmm. down, watch the news and just get the information flat out because you knew that they were just, that's what it was. It was just news. Like it was just newscasting. It wasn't like giving opinion. It wasn't giving a, uh, you know, flaming rhetoric that was maybe going on around in that time. And now with everything that's happened and, you know, society changes, um, there's a lot more of a, of that need to, you know, throw in shade to, let's say a particular or a differing political party now, because you want to, get those viewers you want to make sure that you're routing up your base and that's unfortunately where where the state of the media is and not not every journalist is like that you know i'm not going to sit here and just blanket every single you know there's some very good journalists out there um who actually take the time to research what they're you know what they're reporting on and giving it to you straight right so there's still so there's still good reporters out there. You just have to know where to look for them. Yeah, I um, I, I it, it's actually really steered me away from watching these networks because I I will I will tune into both um, both sides of the political spectrum. I'll tune into their their news stations, their newscasts, just to see what is being said about it's it's almost like it's almost like high school gossip with with the mm-hmm. news networks. So you you tune into one to see what they're saying about the other. And then you go back to the other to see what they're saying in response to the to the original. Um, and I, you know, I, I do believe that a lot of journalistic integrity has been lost with these with these cable networks. And it's 
it, it's, it feels like they're no longer reporting the news for our benefit. They're reporting the news for their benefit. And when you start, when you start listening to a, a broadcaster who is no longer telling you what you need to know, but telling you what he, he or she wants you to know, that is when you start to have a problem. And that is, that is a problem that has is, that is begun spiraling, snowballing, you know, avalanche mm-hmm. down the hill style of, of problem nowadays. And I, I, I wish there was more accountability that was held in the media. And it's it seems like accountability has, has all been lost. I I would I would I would be a hundred percent in agreement uh, with you on that on that point. Um, and just really quickly, I'm looking at the live chat here. I just want to read some comments off. <laughs> didn't want to read any with you know obviously with Bob sure. on because I sure. you know, was didn't want to seem rude. But uh, our friend Adam uh, says Chicagoland Radio is the best. Uh, something that he's missed uh, since he left you know the Chicagoland area. Uh, our friend Cash says that's why personal research and credible podcasts are important. Um, uh, plenty of go White Sox comments from uh, from from our friend Adam in, in the chat, and uh, he's now banned from the chat. <laughs> shout out to Adam Adam uh, Kunos. He's down in yep. Florida uh, right yep. now, and. Um, our, my friend Aaron drops in saying hello, uh, good evening, gentlemen. So, um, no, I, you know, I sincerely appreciate the, you know, the people who are commenting or uh, listening in right now. I know it's it's a little past nine o'clock here, and yes, thank you Milwaukee. so much for uh, tuning in mm-hmm. with this special edition late evening podcast. So we we definitely appreciate all yes, of you that are that are absolutely. watching right now or listening. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we can, we'll probably start wrapping it up here in a few minutes, but uh, just once again, you know, I, my sincerest appreciation to Rob Hart for coming on. And uh, I told myself I wasn't going to do it, but I had to, I had to throw that little fan. You had the fanboy. Yeah. The the fanboy fanboy moment. I was like, yeah, you know, I listened to you and I'll drive to work. And I, I'm surprised you didn't have your Rob Hart poster hanging up in the background, you know, just to remind him of of how much you enjoy (laughs) Uh, no, I, I listen, I hear his segments, you know, that'll, um, they, the line and it was really, you know, just one last thing, actually real quick. It was really cool that he actually told us that a lot of those segments that he records are done in his basement. Yeah. Like yeah. I would have, I would have never thought that that's where, we're, you know, I would have thought they were done in like the studio and that well, with COVID, with COVID there, a lot of people are, exactly. are recording from home now. I, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of my favorite sports talk radio stations <laughs> in the Milwaukee and Madison area, a lot of them will literally post the videos of their, their live cast. And it took me a couple of months before I was like, wait a minute, is that a couch? <laughs> Pretty sure that dude's in his basement. <laughs> that, that, that's so, that's super cool though, because you know, it gives yeah. you, it almost gives you a sense of, well, you know, maybe like this person, you know, yeah, he might have that, you know, he has that blue check mark on Twitter, but he's still, he's still just a regular human being like all of us, you know, going through the same things that we're going yep. through that you and I are going through. And so that just, it makes it very personable. And I, when he said that, that he was doing those uh, recordings in, in his basement, I was like, okay, like, yeah, that's funny. Obviously we laughed it off, but yeah, it just, it, it hits home. I mean, I'm sitting in a den right now doing this podcast. Like, you know, it's I'm not... sitting, I'm sitting in an empty basement because I'm in, the, I'm in the process of moving from <laughs> Madison to Belgium. And I like, 
my entire basement is pretty much cleared out. So I, that picture I posted on Twitter earlier yeah. of Will Smith on the final episode of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air <laughs> where he walks in the living room and just standing there. That was literally me when I got home and walked out of my basement. I just walked in. I'm like, I don't have anything right now. I went from having a 65-inch TV in 240s, uh, you know, a big entertainment system set up to now mm-hmm. I have a 32-inch Samsung from 2007 on top of a nightstand <laughs> with a fire stick hooked up to it. <laughs> it's my only form of entertainment right now. So, uh, you're yeah. Probably, next... You're probably sitting on like a bucket, uh, your I'm laptop. I'm sitting on a folding chair and oh. I'm on my laptop. Yeah. Yep. I was going to say. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, it's almost, we're approaching 9.15 Central here, um, and I think it'll probably be a good time to call it quits for the night, um, just because, you know, it is Sunday night, and uh, both of of us have work tomorrow morning, unfortunately, but catch me at the ball game tomorrow night, though. Brewers-Marlins, I believe it is. Tomorrow and also night. catch our boy Brandon from yes. uh, Brew City Lounge as well. Yep. Um, is, does yeah. he have any any intentions of doing any kind of of live? So we are we're currently working through that. Um, okay. We we had discussed it potentially. Um, okay. I haven't heard anything back. But if we do do something tomorrow, make sure to go live for all of you. But yes, check him out at Wisco underscore Brandon. I believe is his Twitter yes, handle. Is. Um, and then his also the Brew City Lounge. Is, uh, at Brew City Lounge um excellent podcaster ladies and gentlemen uh here on the lounge room network and you know Bruce City Pod sorry guys Bruce, I, I apologize. At, at Bruce, Bruce City, City Pod Bruce City, Bruce City Pod, Pod. Yep. yes um but yeah like i was saying excellent podcaster uh doing very very good things uh for the network as a whole and for his podcast. shameless plug he is also my co-host on Title Town Lounge shameless plug sorry for those who are listening in the audience, disregard that. No one cares. No, <laughs> just I'm kidding. I'm kidding. At the Title Town Lounge, the Rhino and Brandon um, do phenomenal. Heated work as debate well. today. Heated debate. Yes. Today's uh, today's um, today's episode of the Title Town Lounge, I think, was sponsored in part by uh, violence. Because... Violence. Yeah. <laughs> violence. <laughs> Brandon's sister Brittany was uh, was just going off in the in the comment sections. I, but I actually I am so glad that she decided to chime in like that because our conversation went from zero to sixty real quick. So it was a great yeah, episode. I was I was tuning into that and I, yeah, you know, you said I wasn't there, but I was there. I mean, I was there in <laughs> spirit. And <laughs> but yes, for uh, on point discussion, this has been the Sunday night special featuring Rob Hart from News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM in uh, WBBM at Sports Talk Rhino at Bears Manatical 94. Signing off for tonight, we will be back Wednesday for another episode of On Point Discussion. And until then. Have a good uh, have a good night. Have a good start to your work week, and we will see you all very soon. Good night, everyone. Go pack. Go Bears.